When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you all. The start of a new week and what will uh, unfold this week in terms of uh, the All Blacks and their, their coaching, their future, their captaincy future, their structure really. After that performance at the weekend, we shall wait and see. To talk about uh, that and the press conference that uh, was, oh, I guess, held, uh, was it really a press conference from Mark Robinson? What did it really tell us? Um, so uh, that's 9.30. We'll talk to Andrew Gordy. We'll talk to Andrew Gordy about that. Um, we'll also uh, perhaps uh, open up the lines, I think, straight away and uh, just uh, see what your thoughts are on uh, where do you think the, the all-black structure should go from here on in. Did he do enough? Did they do enough to uh, to remain the status quo? Uh, after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Brent Matahari, who is the coach of the SENS, I should say, S-E-N-Z, Otago Nuggets, NBL champions. NBL champions, doesn't that sound good? Uh, 10.20, we'll have a panel with Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. Uh, more on the All Blacks and the Warriors. Victorious Warriors after 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk about them again with uh, Andrew Voss as well. Uh, and then uh, we'll have a stump smithy around about uh, 11.30. So rugby props dominating the show, but love to hear your thoughts going forward. 0800 150 811. Coming up very shortly, we're going to open the lines for your feedback. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. So with a man in the bin, behind on the scoreboard and around 14 minutes to go on the clock and on desperate defence, the All Blacks look doomed and with them, Sam Kane and Ian Foster in particular. Somehow they found strength, the resolve and some brilliance to get out of jail and win bloody well. It was inspiring stuff. But will it be enough to save Fozzie's bacon? The next few days and unscheduled meetings will decide that. He got them to show character. We saw massive improvement. He picked the right combinations. In essence, he did his job, did he not? He filled the brief and in one of the hottest cauldrons in the sport. I think it's safe to assume that had the All Blacks lost, then Mark Robinson was on hand to give the coaches don't come Monday in person. Pretty hard then to do that, having seen, been in the stands himself to witness that comeback performance. I have no idea what KPIs are in Fozzie's contract, but Saturday night, he must have met a few of them, and some. And some. I think it's fair to say as he tries to turn the page. Uh, look, Argentina lay ahead, don't they, in a fortnight? And just how good were they yesterday, just by the by? I mean, should Dave Rennie be at all concerned if we're talking coaches under the pump here? The Pumas should be beaten, and comfortably. It would be a relatively cushy start for a new coach. But now that Fozzie has found those combos and maybe the formula, can he be allowed to carry on the involvement of his squad? I think he will. 
he will get Argentina and maybe the entire rugby championship. It's damn hard to sack a bloke who's just delivered, so they won't. It's unprecedented also to sack an all-black coach, especially one who's just come up with the goods. I'm picking they won't. It still might go against the popular grain. We shall see. We shall see indeed. Your serve, Mr Robinson. Play well. It's 9.06 here on SCNZ. Don't know what quite happened there anyway. Uh, hopefully we've got uh, Andrew Gordy up on the line um, at, at 9.30. Uh, but we were going to uh, also open up the lines if we can. Um, I'm a little bit blind here. My screen has gone down, so uh, I might need a little bit of help. A little bit of help to open up the lines. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yep, uh, call us up. Chemist Warehouse voucher up for grabs. Uh, what are you thinking all of a sudden? Uh, 907 and SENZ. And Joey from Auckland first up this morning. Hey, g'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, look, I don't think he'll go now. I think, uh, you know, he's uh, he's won at Ellis Park, which is damn hard to do. Um, and the changes they made, uh, they, they played a lot better. Um, I think Mwanga, um, to me, is an all all round better 5-8. I know it's hard to say than, than uh, the, um, the other um, Bowden Barrett at the Bowden moment. Ba- and um, yeah. I think he yeah. controlled the game a lot better, Smithy. And, and you know, I'm not saying that, uh, that Barrett, Barrett's got pace, which you can't you, you can't coach. But um, Mwanga just seems to, to be able to um, control the game a, a lot better, you know, as far, from what I can see. And, and, and they just, they played a lot better. They played with a lot more well, they always play with passion, but I mean, they turned it around. And and so, what do you say to Foster now? You know. Oh well, yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, I, I, had they lost, I mean, I, I'm saying his whole coaching future lay on the line in the last uh, ten to twelve minutes, especially with a man in the bin. So they found character. I mean, they didn't find that out of uh, the coach's box. They had to find that on the field. But maybe he's given them, you know, the, the belief and the confidence. I mean, Adi Savir in particular has been quite uh, vocal in his backing for Ian Foster. And he was the guy that took over when Sam Kane, of course, uh, uh, was substituted off. It was Adi Savir's uh, ship to run in the last uh, 10, 12 minutes as such with a bit of Sam Whitelock as well. But um, I, I don't know, Joey. I, I think it's very, very hard for them to turn around and say, um, you didn't do your job when the team win in those circumstances. That's correct. You know, dead right, Smithy. You know, I mean, he's, they've asked him to do a job and he's turned around and, and, you know, as much as people don't like him or whatever, the way he presents himself or whatever, he's done the job that he's been asked to do. And, that, and so if you're, if you're asking him as a CEO, he's saying, well, we've got to get rid of you. And he goes, well, hang on a minute. You asked me to win at Alice Park, which is one of the hardest places in the world to win against the, the number one side or the the World Cup side at the moment, South Africa, and I went and did it. What more do you want me to do? And, you know, that's, as I said, that's that's how it is. Um, so I, I think he'll stay. And the other thing, Smithy, too, um, congratulations on holding on to the Shield. What a game that was. Um, you know, well, I mean, uh, yeah. You, um, 
counties were fantastic. I thought, you know, they they had every reason, you know, just to, you know, to to give it away, but they certainly did not. There's something special about that county, so I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Um, you've got a coach that's come through the grades in a province which you know has struggled to hold on to its talent over the years. Um, you know, uh, Ryan, Ryan Graham, who, who's just done a, a fantastic job initially by the look of it. Uh, and you've got a guy in Sakopi Kepu, who's the captain of the side and enjoying every minute of being part of that squad. So, yeah, so uh, interesting, very interesting indeed. So uh, I think we're going to Dean next. Dino from Dunedin with his thoughts. This will be interesting. G'day, Dean. Yeah, got sorry. What do you reckon? Firstly, mate, the TAB account's looking OK. Got it wrong, though, the old... um. 13 plus for the All Blacks and 12 and under Argentina. If that was around the other way, it would have been looking really good. But now nah, Foster's got to go, mate. The, the person that's escaped it all unscathed probably is Grant Fox. Like, Foster's a selector. Ryan's come in and done what everyone knew should have been done way back when they announced their team. Those Auckland players have got to go. It's not an Auckland bashing thing. They're just not up to it. So he's got to go because he keeps he's a useless selector and he's not a good coach. Like, they had to make a decision on the first test, I believe. Sure, they played well at, at, at uh, Ellis Park, wherever it was, but it's just dirt. All this stuff about Eden Park being this sacred ground and Ellis Park being sacred ground, it's a load of crap. It's on the day. If you get stuck in and grit your teeth like they had to do, you'll go good. And as for Sam Kane, I watched it again yesterday, and all I watched was him. He missed five tackles, he was blown off the ball four times, and he didn't get one turnover. They subbed him because he's not up to it. Artie should be at seven, but we don't have an eight. That's the problem. Akira can go. Um, Shannon showed exactly what we want from a six. Someone just to grit their teeth and run into them. And even when Aaron got wiped out, which woke him up, Shannon was the first guy in there to try and clean out the South African. That's what we want, but a gut. And, um, yep, it's all at Christchurch. And I know there's 12 that's going to buy a ticket if Razor gets the job. If he doesn't get the job, we'll be watching on TV. Simple as that. I've had enough. It's rubbish. Forster can't coach. He can't select, which is even worse. Just get rid of him. Okay. Dino with his uh, thoughts there from uh, Dunedin, of course. Uh, next up is Mikey. Good morning, Mikey. Oh, g'day, Smithy. Oh, I had a great weekend. Canterbury pasted Wellington. That was awesome. And uh, mm. I must admit, I had a bit of trepidation watching uh, our boys play the Springboks. But, geez, they were in danger of looking like an all-black side. It was awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, makes a, it makes a hell of a difference when the forwards are going forward, isn't it? Well, it does, and you know, and also, um, is, uh, what are we seeing here from Jason Ryan? You're Jason Ryan, I should add too. Uh, you're Canterbury, Jason Ryan. What are we? Are we seeing an, a noted difference in the space of a fortnight? Well, we're certainly seeing what looks like a plan. Now, I, I can't. I mean, I've been highly critical of Foster as well, like probably most people. But um, we're certainly seeing something that looks like a plan. I mean, a few of those passes stick um, in the back line. And it, the score may have even been bigger. Um, I, look, ultimately, if we're going to criticise Foster for losing, we've got to praise him and the coaching team for winning. We can't ha- you can't have your cake and eat it too, you know? Um, so, ultimately, if, if this is where we're headed, then I'm feeling a lot more confident. I just hope this wasn't a one-off. And um, I believe he'll keep his job. I wouldn't have thought he would have anyway, to be honest. Um, and if this is a marker, this is this is the potential that they've been banging on about for so long, 
then, geez, I hope it continues. I hope I hope that they put their money with their mouth, and this is what we see against Argentina and Australia. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to well, say here's about the th- that. Th- here's, here's the thing, um, Mikey. Um, right, okay, so most sides go to South Africa. If they win one of two tests against South Africa, they've done okay. We've done that. In terms of the rugby championship, we now come home and play Argentina at home. We should beat them twice. Uh, we got a test against Australia at Eden Park. Well, Australia looked pretty average uh, yesterday, didn't they? Should win that. So we're on track here, really on track, I think, to win the rugby championship. I, I would. I, that's what I'm picking. Um, if he, if, I mean, what does he set out to do? What, what is his, his, his gig? I um, mean, if he can't have us in line after two games in South Africa to win the rugby championship, I don't know. Uh, Cliff uh, from Dunedin. Cliffy, good morning. Yeah, morning, Smitty. Yeah, no, look, I think the All Blacks had a bit more purpose about themselves the whole way. I think, you know, they played really well. It's just, I'll just talk about South Africa. They made five changes, and I think they really made, they took away the impetus of what they would had done in the first test. You can't make that many changes when you're winning. And they had, they wanted to win that cup, and now they, they didn't. And the hook of it played. He was very average. He looked very lazy, very tired. He had no go at all. His whole game was poor. And they had a great player who had had a top game the week before, was on the beach, and then they had to replace him. They got done over with the, the guy got injured right at the start of the game, the winger, and then they had to, they had only two back reserves. So they had to bring a, a guy on and play. Everyone sort of moved out of position which I think affected them. They had no one else. They couldn't afford to bring a sub on at, at half-time. When you've got three subs in the backs, it gives you a chance to, to freshen your side up. But when you've only got two and you lose one straight away, and everyone's be playing out of position, it doesn't help at all. But, you know, kudos to the All Blacks. The box stuck in. You know, we were up 15-0. The box came back 15-12. You know, there were some big games from, from Brazil. Uh, you know, Artie played really well. The front rowers, everybody, everybody got stuck in. I'd say thing with the captain, he went off. I reckon he went off with at least twenty minutes to go. He was a pure sub. It wasn't because he, um, you know, like just give him a break at the end. And and I think that that certainly helped. You know, there's no reason. Look, Sam Kane is a good player, but I don't think he deserves to play eighty minutes every week. He's not that good. And and me, if you're going to freshen and keep that forward pack going, you can't take Artie off. And if you're going to take Brazil, you can't take Kane off as well. So Kane has to be, sometimes he's going to have to come off. And, and it's just the way the team. But they, they played bloody well. You know, they ran with purpose forward. And I think that was the difference. Bowden Barrett's been running across the field looking for runners that just don't seem to exist. And everybody crabs across. And this mark mark ups man to man, and that hasn't been good. But yes, I think uh, I don't think he was going to go because I think that if the Canterbury boy had to come out and said he wanted to be the that captain, he's ready to go. They probably would have done it, but he's probably hasn't said that, and they're not willing to give it to someone else because then they worry that he might not want it in the future. You just got to go with what you've got. The All Blacks were due a good game, and they and they proved that they had one in them. Interesting uh, comments there, uh, Cliff. I, I, and thanks very much uh, for your call. I, I, it's a very interesting setup, South Africa. 
uh, if you look at that. How often do you see genuine substitutions made before half-time? Quite a lot, particularly in the forward area. Uh, he took off his captain as well. Um, and that was very interesting to see Sia uh, Khaleesi go from the field of play that early on in the piece and, and basically just look on him. I don't think uh, it was a genuine injury substitution, so I think that was a replacement there. Uh, and I, I just kind of find that, that what they're doing is uh, very, very unusual. I think there's pressure, uh, quite clearly pressure on from outside the coaching structure in terms of selections. Um, basically have to approve them by the sounds of things. Uh, and, you know, the run-on team looks quite vastly different five minutes after half time. Uh, than the team that's on the park. Quite quite to staggering to, to have to coach a team under those sorts of uh, regulations. Very, very, um, very, very hard to uh, to sort of uh, get your head around, to be perfectly honest. Right, uh, sorry, next caller is Jeff the Ref from Cromwell. G'day, Jeff. G'day, Smiley. It's just been a great weekend. Start, starting on Friday, I see the Mighty Hawks Bay had a it was a bloody good game, actually, that chill game, and the bloody uh, counties came back there at the end. But, uh, yes, it was a great chill game. Um, Targo smashed Tasman. Targo Nuggets had a big win over there, those Jaffers from Auckland. And, uh, uh, you know, so the, the, the Omens were there. I got up at 2 o'clock. Did you get up, Smitty, and watch the, the ABs live? Yeah, I watched it live. I did. Uh, I've got to say, Jeff, yeah, good, I did. Good. Good, good man. I tell you what, when when Kane scored that try, I was in tears, mate. I know what 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 Kane and the boys and, and Fudgy have gone through the last couple of weeks. You know, and I, I do feel for them. And to turn that turn around, what they've done the last two weeks, and and put a performance on the paddock like that, I was in tears, mate. I just I'm so so proud. I'm getting, I'm getting a bit terried eye now about it, what those boys have done, and you know just. They've taken some shit, but Jesus, they show some heart. And those young guys, those young forwards, mate, they show some ticker, you know, and they ran, ran those box forwards off the park, you know, that's why they were subbing before half time. I mean, I, I tell you what, we've got to, I think you've got to give Fozzie and, and that, obviously, Ryan from Canterbury, the forward coach, he, 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 that was a master stroke getting him in, and that's made the difference. So, yeah, we get, I think it's time to get him behind us. This group now, and uh, showing they can, as John Hart said this morning on another radio station, there's four or five teams that are up there, and any of them can win the World Cup. And with, but the All Blacks are showing now that we can, we're back, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. So yeah, I'm, I'm just so proud, you know, of that performance. Would you, Jeff, uh, can, can I ask you what you made of the refereeing performance? Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, um, it was pedantic with the leg lifting. Like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't collapse the, the scrums. It was pretty pedantic there. I mean, the the ball's going to, it didn't it cut down the option, so you play on. And the, the other thing I noticed too is the breakdown. The box, the tacklers weren't releasing the ball carrier, you know, and that slowed the ball down. Plus, they were obviously handling the ball on the ground, so that's an area they need to tidy up. I mean, they're trying to slow the ball down so the All Blacks couldn't get that fast front football, you know. And um, so they just need to... The ARs need to help them and, and, and the referee needs to get there quicker to, to see that and rule on it. Um, yeah, just 
just a tactic they use, the old box, to slow the ball down so the ABs can't get that quick ball. But um, it just shows you that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like he was consistent with his ruling. I must, you know, that's what all you ask, whether it's right or wrong. As long as you're consistent, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, give a, I'll give him a pass, Mark Smithy, you know. Okay. If he gets a pass mark from you, Jeff, he gets a pass mark from me. Happy as that. Okay. John from Christchurch. Morning to you, John. G'day, Smitty. How are you, Bill? Yeah, good. Pretty good. Yeah, mate. Um, I got up and watched it as well and, and made a quid on them. I always thought we'd win one, lose one over there, but and I totally agree with uh, the fact. I actually think we'll win the rugby championship now. I can't really see us uh, dropping one now with what's going to be ahead of us. But uh, there's a couple of concerns I have, and it's been like the main one that. Uh, the forwards are not hunting in a pack like we used to, you know. How many times do we see now the ball going, we're going to ground and we're getting pushed over the top of it and there's no support for the all-black ball carrier because everyone's sort of standing off and I don't know why we're not getting committed so much anymore. And I think, uh, I, I totally agree, I, I think uh, Sam Kane, um, as much as I like him, as a player, I just actually think he's too slow now and I, I totally agree with Dino. I was watching him also. Um, because I think uh, he's better than what a lot of people give him credit for. But he did. He missed a lot of tackles and um, in a crucial times. And I think also the other thing that I thought was quite alarming was the amount of passes from the all-black backs that weren't going to hand, going overhead, going behind, going along the ground. And mm. I'd also really like to see uh, the two young halfbacks get a crack. I think Aaron Smith's had his day. Um, he'll have uh, other games in him, I guess, but uh, I would actually like to see him put a couple of these games coming out up and um, coming up out. And uh, yeah, get those two young fellas in there and give them a crack because I think uh, seeing Butchimawanga with one of those young fellas inside him also, because he really steadied the ship and gave them a lot of direction in the weekend, I believe. And uh, I think that was a lot of the difference. They just actually had stability at 10. Um, making the right decisions at the right time, and he was never wanting. Bodie's always disappears on defence, um, and Ricky was there and doing his job. And I just think it's told a big story. I think you're right. <clears throat> I think Richie Moonga had perhaps his best game for the All Blacks uh, at the weekend. I, I really do think he was quite outstanding. Uh, it's nine twenty-four. Thank you so much for your calls. Uh, we'll open up the lines again tomorrow morning. I think the subject will still be fresh enough to, to carry it on. Uh, thanks for your patience, those that waited, and uh, one or two that missed out, but uh, we'll get you tomorrow, hopefully. It is 9.24 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Well, Smithy's Cricket Update uh, tells us uh, live cricket, of course, at the moment. Uh, New Zealand playing the West Indies, uh, and this is Game 3 of the three T20 internationals. New Zealand have already wrapped it up 2-0, but at this point they're going to lose this one by the look of it. Uh, they scored 145 for 7. Uh, they had a promising start, but uh, just flitted it away somewhat, and the West Indies are coasting at the moment 130 for 2. Uh, they need 16 runs from 15 balls to win. The West Indies, 16 runs from 16 balls to win. And uh, looks like they're very much on track to do that. So not much the New Zealand side are able to do about pulling this one back, of course. Three one-day internationals just around the corner. And we will have live coverage, ball-by-ball coverage of those here on SENZ. It is 9.30. <laughs>
Well, the All Blacks managed to do what many thought was unthinkable at uh, this time last week in particular. They came into the cauldron of Alice Park, got the job done, came away 35-23 victors and uh, seriously in line uh, for the rugby championship now because uh, it's pretty tough to win over there and not everyone does. So we'll keep an eye on that. The performance was encouraging. Speculation around the future of Ian Foster still surrounds the team though and was only highlighted further by a press conference involving New Zealand Rugby CEO Mark Robinson last night. And joining us now is uh, News Hub Sports' Andrew Gordy to help uh, decipher what's going on here. Uh, Gord, are you any the wiser after that press conference? Morning, Smitty. Morning to all the listeners. Uh, the short answer is no. Um, and I don't, think, I don't think anyone can be, really. It was just a whole lot of nothing. Um, and it really does beg big the question... What was the point of that? Why were we here? Why did Mark Robinson decide after the All Blacks had just won at Alice Park and for the first time in a long time, we didn't have people calling for Ian Foster to stand down as All Blacks coach. Finally, they had some breathing room and then uh, Mark Robinson pops up and New Zealand Rugby just seized the opportunity to create a negative headline out of a positive one. It's just astounding, really. Do you think he fronted up there in person because he didn't front up in in Wellington and got heavily criticised for not even, not you know, not not fronting at all? That's exactly the reason he fronted up. Um, written a written a piece uh, this morning detailing exactly why he fronted up, and you've hit the nail on the head, Smithy. There was obviously a lot of criticism, and there was a bit of background, which I can explain to your listeners. There, there was. Ahead of that third and, and deciding test against Ireland in Wellington about you know a month ago now, there was a stint um, and there were there were sort of assurances given, I suppose, that if the All Blacks lost that test and therefore lost the series, that Mark Robinson would front up on on the Sunday. Now, that sort of communication created a, a bit of drama, let's say, in the, in the All Blacks camp, and uh, I think there were a few people that weren't too pleased about plans being made for the event of a defeat, um, which I can, I can completely understand from the point of view of the team and the squad. Um, and so when that came to pass and, and they lost that match, um, there was a big 180 performed and, and Mark Robinson did the front and instead we had uh, a statement which, in my opinion, was poorly worded. Um, and, and that didn't help the situation, obviously, off the back of the fact then that Ian Foster, at late notice, um, his press conference was cancelled as well. So there was this omni-shambles that presented itself. And I think genuinely, uh, and, and, I, and I say that, you know, with, with being genuine here, um, I think they were trying to do the right thing yesterday by fronting up. But the trouble is that the situation after the third test in Wellington against Ireland and the situation yesterday was completely different. There was not a compelling reason for Mark Robinson to front up. There were not burning questions about um, Ian Foster's future that that needed to be answered, I suppose. There wasn't a baying crowd, I suppose, saying, what are you going to do about this situation? Because they just literally passed arguably the toughest test in international rugby by beating the Springboks at Ellis Park. It could have waited. You could have let Ian Foster and the team enjoy their moment in the sun and surely... Surely they deserve that. Surely Ian Smith deserved that after, you know, what's been a really torrid time for him over there. And, you know, the questions that were being raised about his future were legitimate. They needed to be asked. But in that moment, for the first time in a long time, they didn't need to be asked because 
he had provided a, a pretty compelling counter-argument, I think, to the claims that he shouldn't be the All Blacks coach moving forward. Um, and yet, here he was, Mark Robinson popping up to say absolutely nothing. He couldn't say, yes, I back Ian Foster. He couldn't say, I'm going to sack Ian Foster. If you've got nothing to say, don't say anything at all. Interesting. OK, so where do you think Ian Foster sits now, apart from what? probably row 1B on a plane at the moment. Where, where does he sit in terms of his job? Well, I mean, I should stress, Smithy, I, I don't... We've, there's lots of rumours going around at the moment, but we're not really in the in the business of rumours, are we? All we can really try and, and draw conclusions from is what Ian Foster has said and what Mark Robinson has said or not said yesterday. So... It is quite clear that the team is going to come home, the New Zealand Rugby Board is going to meet, and they are going to be discussing Ian Foster's future. And the fact that he wasn't there and then, yesterday able to uh, give an unequivocal backing to Ian Foster, would assume, you know, for, for all your listeners, I suppose, that um, his future is, is far from certain in that regard. Um, and look, if he is not the All Blacks coach, uh, when the All Blacks assemble to face Argentina in a week's time, none of us, including Ian Foster, I think, can be surprised. But the big change from Ian Foster's point of view, and, and this is something that we were, were discussing yesterday, if he believes that the writing is on the wall, his, his situation, and indeed that of anyone who is going to coach the All Blacks, that situation has changed massively in the last 24 hours, you know, or 24 hours or prior to that test at Ellis Park. The idea of Ian Foster... Um, continuing his coaching career anywhere in the wake of a defeat at Ellis Park would have been you know, hard to imagine, really. His, his coaching career probably would have been over had he lost that game. Um, and it would have made the task for someone like, let's say, uh, Scott Robertson coming in um, a, pretty, a pretty easy one because the expectations were, were so low. That's not the case anymore. Ian Foster has suddenly has, I won't say a strong hand, but it's certainly a much stronger hand than he had uh, prior to that test match. And if he was to walk away now, um, he still has a coaching career ahead of him because you're only as good as your last game, Smithy, and he's just beaten the Springboks at Ellis Park. And that's an attractive option to, to someone. It could still be an attractive option to New Zealand rugby. We'll have to wait and see. But also, if you look at it from Scott Robertson's point of view, the, the person who we all expect New Zealand rugby are going to turn to if they have a vacancy for the All Blacks, that, that prospect is not as attractive, I think, as, as what it was um, for Scott Robertson ahead of that match because now he's, he's not taking over a team that had lost uh, what would it have been six of their last seven. He's, he's taking over a team that's, that's really been through some adversity but has then just gone and knocked off the, the world champions in their own backyard. Um, the expectations are higher now than what they were before. So it's, it's a fascinating situation that's, that's unfolded now and, and not least because of... Mark Robinson, um, you know, fronting up for an ill-advised press conference yesterday afternoon. Just logically, uh, if, you, if you break it down, I mean, where has he not done his job if you look at that performance? Are you talking about Ian Foster here? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm talking about Ian Foster. If you've got KPIs, I guess what key performance indicators as such, uh, you go to, uh, if he'd have said to Ian Foster two weeks ago, look, you've got to get at least one win there to keep us in the rugby championship, which, uh, you know, uh, I think is probably reasonable. Most sides going over there would love a 50% uh, win rate. Uh, I, I just wonder where has he not met the KPIs that he might have been set two weeks ago under the thumb? 
Yeah, and, and that's the big question, isn't it, Smithy? We don't know what his KPIs were going into that match. Now, you can probably um, draw your own conclusions based on some of the things that had been that were said and written, um, especially by some, you know, some of my pretty learned colleagues on the grounds. Um, you know, the likes of, of Ollie Ritchie, uh, we had Liam Nates here, Mark Hinton, Gregor Paul. These are all guys who have been covering the beat a long time, and, and the you would have noticed the theme that was coming coming from them after after that defeat um, in the first test in Mbombala. Um, it was almost like a, a ceremonial thing that was that was happening here. That um, you know, whatever the results, uh, this is the Ian Foster. Now, if it was a situation of go over there and win win one of the two matches and you keep your job, then I think absolutely he has now provided, like I say, a compelling reason uh, to continue with him. He had said to us, and we all. Let's face it, Smithy, we all laughed at him, essentially, when he said that was our best performance of the year because he could see the progress. Now, um, whether it was their best performance of the year, I'm not sure, but we could all see, despite the fact that it was a heavy defeat, there were some signs of progress in that, in that test defeat at Mbombala, and then they come out and pull off a, a performance and a result that I don't think anyone saw coming. Now, if you can do that in the white-hot atmosphere of Alice Park... Who are we to argue that he won't now come out and beat Argentina in two tests at home and hang on to the Bledisloe Cup? Um, at that point, he's, he's proved everything. Now, it's, it's now whether he's going to get that chance to prove that the momentum can continue um, is going to be the big question, not only for Mark Robinson, but for the New Zealand rugby board now. And, and coming back to that original point, we don't know what his KPIs were. There were a lot of rumours ahead of the start of the international season that if Ian Foster lost lost the Ireland series and lost both games in South Africa, that, that that would be it for him. That hasn't happened. He got pretty damn close, but he has won that crucial last fixture. And, and again, I come back to it. You're only as good as your last game, and based on that last performance, you would have to say that... I won't, I won't say that the All Blacks are got, getting everything right, but based on that performance, they are heading in the right direction. And they, he's clearly coaching a team which has his support. I mean, look at some of the things that were said after that after that win on the weekend. Uh, the comments from Artie Savia, from Sam Payne and Sam Whitelock this morning. That's another factor, Smithy. It was only meant to be Ian Foster that, that fronted up in South Africa overnight. The fact that Sam Payne and Sam Whitelock did as well, I think really speaks volumes about how they feel about how their coach has been treated by... Uh, the New Zealand rugby public, probably the New Zealand media, but also New Zealand rugby as well. And I don't think that Kane and, and Whitelock would have fronted up overnight um, if, if Mark Robinson had simply remained quiet and uh, and did what we probably all think he, he should have done. Do, do we um, do we have to? Does he have to bite the bullet though? I mean, what was Sam Kane's performance uh, good enough? To be in the top fifteen players on the you know a starting fifteen was it good enough? Uh, people will also say that when it came to the crunch and the chips were down, he wasn't there when that comeback. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Smithy, and I, and I think that needs a that needs a broader debrief, doesn't it? They're like, yep, sure, you can you can take the win in isolation and, and say that's a great result. Um, it will be, I suppose, then up to uh, the All Blacks and and indeed the executive, I suppose, and the board to then analyse, well, just a win doesn't, doesn't... Is it a win that papers over the cracks or is it a win that, that signals that 
there is a, a bigger shift going on here and that everything that Ian Foster has been saying actually has some, some truth to it. Um, in terms of individual performances, yeah, not, not everyone covered themselves in glory um, on that tour to South Africa, but you would have to say that there were some you know, markedly improved performances right across the board. I think Sam Kane, you know, I think he did answer a few questions, Smitty, and, and there were others as well. I think, you know, you look at the front row changes that were made, um, you know, I think Tyrell Lomax and Ethan DeGroote really did step up in, in that moment. I think Samasona Takiaho has been probably, you know, one of the one of the few real bright spots, I think, to, to emerge from this tour to South Africa. You know, a, a position like hooker that previously... You know, I think the All Blacks thought they were very, very well stocked. And, you know, Cody Taylor and Dane Coles being a couple of them, I, I think perhaps we've seen Samasone Takiaho step past the pair of those two. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Smithy. There were certainly questions over Sam Kane and, and others in that, in that loose forward trio after that first test against South Africa. I think they absolutely stepped up in the second test. Sam Kane, Artie Savia, I think Chan Prezel, you know, that was probably the right change. Um, you know, having him start instead of Akira Iwana, and it was a very good, it was a very good loose trio. I think that the Springboks put up. You know, Dwayne Vermeulen, Peter Stefutoy, and, and Sia Khaleesi. That's that's an imposing trio, and they were really made to. And, and look, I think the the changes that we saw during the match, we had Dwayne Vermeulen pulled after what was it about 30, 35 minutes. Sia Khaleesi came off after after um, a short time as well, but they forced the Springboks to make changes that they weren't prepared to make. Malcolm Marks came on after half an hour. So that's, that's got to be a, a, a tip of the hat, I think, to, to not only this, this All Blacks team, but, but the coaching staff as well. So And look, we could, we could go on through the entire starting 15. Richie Moana was excellent. Um, Jordy Barrett much improved as well. Um, there, were, there were improved performances right across the board. And so, you know, it is, it is really hard to sit here and, and try and create an argument to say that genuine progress hasn't been made. No, it, it, it's a, I think it's a fair point. I think it's probably the best way to leave it too, Gord. So, I mean, that was a, they finished on an up um, and they won in a very, very difficult environment. So uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we shall wait eagerly. Uh, they have to act quickly because Argentina is, what, uh, less than a fortnight away uh, in terms of the match in Christchurch. So, hey, thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Andrew, for your input there and trying to answer a few questions which are uh, odd, odd to say the least. Okay. Cheers, man. Thank you. No Andrew Gordy there. Yeah, cheers. Andrew Gordy there with us, uh, like uh, all of us in the media now. We'll just sit and wait and uh, hope we get some sort of indication in the next 24 hours, 48 hours. Certainly Ian Foster deserves that anyway, or the incoming coach would deserve that as well in each time. It's 9.47 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Safety Blackwoods take care of business with tools, engineering, safety, workwear, footwear, hygiene, and packaging. Ball is swinging the ball away. Where's that well, ball? That's gone to the party stand. <laughs> and what a way to win the match. Sabina Park is jumping. Ball has won the game for the West Indies by advocates with a brutal shot over the American area into the party stand. Brilliant, excellent, superb. The West Indies win by advocates. They certainly do. They win by eight wickets with one over to spare, so that uh, is pretty comprehensive. Uh, King 53, Brooks 56, and Pohl 27 not out. They did the job quite easily on that New Zealand attack this time round, not scoring enough. 145 for seven after a promising start. Lots and lots of texts uh, to read out uh, when we get the opportunity throughout the next uh, two hours and a bit. Uh, but one from Craig here. Morning, Smithy. This is my text on Friday. 
Your question, Smithy, was should we dare to dream about a Warriors and an All Blacks win? Absolutely we should. But when we wake up Monday morning, we'll realise it was just a dream. Craig says, well, I guess dreams sometimes come true. And all those people that punted on that, good luck to you. You put your money where your mouth is and you got a divvy. It is 9.54. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, the news was uh, good over the weekend. The Rabbits got up. Uh, Argentina uh, smashed Australia and Taranaki. Um, uh, in fact, uh, Taranaki got lost to the Bay of Plenty. They got a hiding. So uh, up to that point, things were looking pretty darn good. But uh, the bop, the bop were too strong, way too strong. So today, uh, Liverpool, or overnight, Liverpool half-time, full-time to beat Crystal Palace at $1.67. Uh, the Yankees to beat the Red Sox at $1.68. And the Dallas Wings, this is women's NBA, the Dallas Wings to beat the LA Sparks at $1.39. And that comes up as $3.89. $3.89. And on the subject of basketball, the SCNZ Otago Nuggets are the NBL champions for 2022. We have their head coach straight after the break. In the meantime, here's the news with Araha. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The celebrations are about to start. Ball in play. Iuli with the shot. There it is! There it is! Look at the Otago Nuggets! They storm onto the floor. They are... Your 2022 Sells NBL champions. And for the first time in the history of the Otago Nuggets, they won the 2020 showdown. We know that. But this is their first full-blown, full-season NBL championship. Congratulations to the Otago Nuggets. They're singing, they're dancing, they're hugging, they're high-fiving, and they are all getting around Keith Williams. Well, that was the sound of it uh, here on SCNZ. Uh, we called the plays live, uh, play-by-play, actually, throughout the whole of the playoffs weekend. And in the end, uh, ironically, it was uh, the SCNZ Otago Nuggets, uh, which uh, came out on top and uh, just absolutely fantastic performance against the odds, I think it's fair to say, against the hometown advantage, against all that atmosphere, a brilliant performance. And it was led by an emphatic MVP, worthy performance by Star on Port, Keith Williams putting up 34 points himself in the 81-73 win. So it's uh, pretty cool in Dunedin right now. It might be a bit cool in terms of the temperature, but uh, out of that, uh, they won't be worrying because they are celebrating, as is their very proud head coach, Brent Matahari. Brent, good morning to you. How does it feel to coach the champs? Yeah, kia ora, Yeah, I think surreal's the word. It uh, certainly, you know, wasn't looking that way, you know, midway through the season, but we had belief. Um, you know, it wasn't something that we hadn't thought about doing all season, so it was uh, certainly wasn't well within the plan, and, you know, we just had to go out and execute it. So, um, you know, it, there were certainly some ups and downs, but um, I'm sitting here right now with this trophy sitting in my lap, and it's pretty special. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you, you flew up to Auckland, um, you know, in the middle of last week to get to play the playoffs underway. Uh, that was a hell of a task you set yourself. Yeah, we actually ended up playing four games in seven days because our last game against the Bulls was on Sunday. 
Uh, that went to overtime, um, which put us in third place um, in the ladder, and we ended up with the Hawks. Um, you know, that was only, only you know, the, the the table was only really decided on that last game, and so we had the Hawks in our first game on the Wednesday. Uh, we got the day off Thursday, and then we played, um, you know, the one of the leading teams, uh, Nelson Giants. <coughs> excuse me. Um, on the Friday night and had to back it up against the Tuatata Saturday and the, you know, the, the testament to the guys and you know the work that um, you know strength and conditioning coach Mike Spencer and Sam Jewell physio did um, to make sure that you know the guys were ready to play um, and the, you know the effort that they put on the floor to to play defence and to to earn a championship, um, which is what you have to do. Well, you had to beat the the number two seed uh, along the way as well, the Nelson Giants in, in the semi final. I listened to the last. Uh, part of that particular game where you had it pretty much under control going down, uh, down, down the stretch. Um, and that, I guess, was a real confidence-building performance. Yeah, I think we, um, you know, we, we talked about you know, in the week leading up to it, we were, they were saying, oh, you know, how are you going, Nuggets? And, you know, you, you've obviously got these games, you've you know, got into the playoffs and what have you. We said, I think this is the first time on the Wednesday night that we had all our players available to us you know, and reasonably fit and healthy. Um, Keith Williams was still struggling um, with the effects of a cold that he caught the week before, and Todd Williams was still, oh, Todd Withers was still nursing a couple of injuries. But you know, we we got through and just felt that we actually were getting better and better through the last week of this of the season, and that's the right time to do it. So, uh, yeah, confidence is building, and we had a bit of a, you know, obviously we're we're rank outsiders. I think um, when we entered the top six, we were paying seventeen dollars and. I know Beef got on us at about 23 or something midway to, through the season. So, um, yeah, there are some happy people around who, uh, who backed us. And he hasn't put any on the bar for you, has he, Beaver, already? No, I, 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 I wasn't sure where he was. Um, I did. Mess- I tried to put a message out there at Sky City and thought he'd been shown up to, um, yeah, to shout a couple. <laughs> he might, he might. He's probably usually pretty true to his word, so you might, you might just get uh, a little offering there. Hey, Brent. Uh, well, what about that final? Topsy turvy, frenetic pace. Um, you know, at one stage uh, having a lead of ten, then Auckland have a lead of eleven. I mean, man, it, did it fluctuate? Yeah, no. I mean, great, great game for um, spectators. Um, not so much for coaching staff. Um, you know, Aaron Young did a great job with his team and getting them up to the final as well, and getting them into the final. Um, you know, it was a, yeah, a game that will be well remembered for its topsy turviness and you know the way that it, it just ebbed and flowed. And you know, we um, we got the run going at the right time, right down the end, because there was Scotland and one, I think, with about three minutes to go. And here we managed to um, edge it out a few more, and, and you know, have the have that winning feeling with a few seconds left on the clock. Yeah, I was going to say, at what point did you sit back and say, "Yep, we got it." I think it was at seventy nine, seventy three. I turned to the bench, and you know the guys that were with us in the showdown when we won it. We were at seventy nine, which was the winning score um, when we won it up in Auckland at that time in twenty twenty. And uh, I said, "See the scoreboard, Matt." And then and Matthew Barzi looked at the scoreboard and said, "Yep." And uh, that's when we knew. So yeah, we got another couple of points and uh, ended up winning by eight. But that was it. that was it right there. Well, you had to recruit to, to start the season. You had to build your squad, um, and you did that when, in terms of your overseas players with Keith Williams, Trey Boyd, and Todd Withers. Just tell us uh, about that trio and what they've added to that uh, that win in the end. Yeah, I think um, last time I talked to you, Smithy, we were in um, Southland, and we had Tajir McCall at that stage. Uh, he left to go to the NBA um, Summer League, so we... Uh, yeah, we had to replace him. We replaced him with Trey Boyd midway through the season. And um, yeah, he really came up trumps for us. Uh, 
entered the league playing in Auckland against Auckland Tomataro and um, scored uh, 29 points that game and was really big for us through the you know the the, the quarter final and the semi final that we had. Um, Todd Winters was you know um, un- for me just shockingly admitted from the um, you know the defensive player of the year rankings and uh, we thought he was the best defensive player in the in the league and he certainly he certainly stood out uh, defensively on that. Um, you know he's blocking shots all over the place, grabbing rebounds and getting steals. You know we we. we we built our championship on defence, and he was the leader in that area. And then, you know, Keith Williams, as I said, he, he wasn't well <laughs> still on Wednesday, and he fought through it, and he got better and better, and uh, he just took advantage in, in the final, and, like, what a game for him. Yeah, he's an interesting story because uh, prior to coming to Otago, he hadn't played much basketball after finishing his coll- collegiate career with the Cincinnati Bearcats. So um, now that, uh, of course, he's shone here, do you see bigger things uh, for Keith Williams and what is the prospect of of retaining them or retaining at least two or three uh, two out of the three yeah I mean obviously um, you know they had to get back uh, Trey is off to Paris, uh, off to France uh, he's got a couple of days before he needs to get there so um, he, he flew back on Sunday um, to the States uh, Todd's gone back he's in Lithuania um, and Keith's got G League offers from uh, around the place as well so you know um, the future's bright for Keith um, you know, Trey and uh, Todd are established pros, and Keith's got his first taste of it. And so he's, yeah, you know, hopefully we can get him back. We might not be able to afford him in the future, um, but you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great for our franchise to be able to have players come into our organisation and, and move forward. And you know, another one who's um, hopefully going to be uh, with the SCN crew um, over at the Wildcats um, is Jack Andrew, who's uh, heading away tomorrow to to join Perth for a few weeks to see if he can. Um, Put it in, put it as a development player. Everything. I think Hutch, Hutch he'll, he'll stump up, won't he? Craig Hutchinson, if there's any pay rises in, in order, he'll, he'll stump up, won't he? Oh, look, I, I, we got on a phone call with Hutchie, we just couldn't hear him, and there was just noise at the you know, SEN headquarters over in Aussie and wherever he was. It's just some big party going on. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think. Um, I think he would be well looked after uh, over in over in Perth, and um, he's certainly got the capability of, uh, of stepping up into into that. And you know, the amount of learning he'll get over there will be fantastic. And you know, we'd love to get him back as well. So, you know, we've got guys that have played for New Zealand. Nico McCulloch's just been added to the Tall Blacks uh, on his performance. And you know, as an organisation, we can't be more proud of our guys. Just um, keeping on taking their you know their steps individually and into the professional and the national ranks. It was always uh, going to be a, a massive rivalry with the bigs on uh, Saturday night. Uh, Sam Timmons, of course, your boy with Rob Lowe uh, in the mix as well, Chris Johnson. How did you see that battle? And uh, how, how do you think Sam's uh, come on with his uh, career in the last uh, seven or eight weeks? Yeah, I mean, Sam did a, a great job. And we played them in Auckland um, when, in CJ's last game uh, where we managed to win by a couple of points, I think it was. Um, which was really good to know that we could foot it with both CJ and Rob Lowe. And you know, see Chris Johnson. You know, he's played a, played a number of games in the in the NBA and is a you know a fantastic player. You know, he's getting a bit long in the tooth and and what have you, but he's a wily old professional and he certainly can play the game. Uh, and you know, that matchup between those, our two well, our two or three bigs was um, certainly a huge one. And yeah, I thought Sam did a really good job defensively um, in the. In, Basically throughout the game, and he really stepped it up in the last quarter. 
um, to get stops and, and get blocks and, and make sure he cleaned up the boards. So, you know, it was huge for us for him to do that. Uh, and, you know, it's those little things that, um, you know, get to that point where you can, you know, lift the trophy. Um, in terms of uh, the concept of, of the finals weekend being in one venue, uh, I mean, the fact that you won it away from home, a tough thing to do, suggests that it was successful for you. But would you like to see that changed? Uh, look, I, I, the league in the past has uh, dabbled into home and away. Um, you know, obviously there's expense that comes with that on the franchises and so on, um, and whether the league would cover it or, you know, whether it's um, Sky Sport decide they want to change it. You know, we're at the, I guess the, you know, the women or the you know the powers that be that want to change the thing, but I think it was a great spectacle. Um, everybody knew where it was going to be. Um, you know, it wasn't until the last weekend where it was finalised who was going to be there, but. Uh, you know, people can make their way to Auckland. Um, I can tell you this, it's really hard to get accommodation uh, in a finals weekend if you haven't already booked it. I'm really up in three different hotels over the weekend, over the week. So, uh, yeah, it was um, a bit of a challenge. But, um, you know, it's a, it's great to be able to know that you can get to one place and that it's all going to happen there. Um, and you can, you know, prepare for it, uh, whether it's at your own home or not. Um, you know, you certainly travel with the the love and well wishes of your home fans as well. So I know a lot of them travelled up and you know, was really appreciating, appreciative of their support coming up to support us. Where does this rank uh, for you, uh, Brent, uh, and, and what's the future for you? Um, in terms of, you know, obviously, I think it's you know, 2020 was an amazing experience um, to win it there. Um, you know, this 2022 one championship, you know, it, it's right up there. But I thought you're never going to choose. I think it's like choosing your your, your children and whatever. You don't want to um, choose. But right now, um, we're just enjoying the moment. Um, you know, obviously, hope to hope to continue with the Nuggets. I mean, it's been, you know, I've lived in Otago from 1990 when I first started with the Otago Nuggets in the inaugural year. So, you know, it, it's my team. Um you know, I think um, I want to continue with it and, you know, just take opportunities outside of that where they come. Um, so I think for me at the moment is uh, Surf Life Saving. Um, have been, you know, looking after me through the summer, so that's probably uh, where I'll turn my mind to in the next in the next day or two after uh, continuing to enjoy this um, enjoy this month. Celebrations gone well, have they then? Oh, yeah, you could say the, um, yeah, there's a number of students in the team and that they are certainly uh, enjoying enjoying themselves and as well they should because uh, you know it's been we've got 22 members in our squad um, all the way down to our DPs and they got together with the DPs uh, that hadn't travelled and yeah they enjoyed each other's company last night they um, did message me to come down but um, around quarter past seven last night I was crashed out in bed so it's, it's been a long it's been a long few weeks and, a, and it's a season that. Um, you know, it's certainly brought some some challenges and some stresses with you know illnesses and you know people as you said before coming and going and yeah, no, it's uh, it's been an interesting year. Heartiest congratulations to you, Brent. Uh, honestly, you're very proud uh, from the station point of view. Obviously, very proud, but basketball fans as well. And I think it's uh, such a great story to uh, against the odds. Um, you know, to go up there, probably um, one of the lower ranked possibilities, and and taking the trophy and emphatic fashions because I think yeah, it's fair to say that. Uh, the results were quite comfortable in the end by final standards. So extremely well done. Extremely well done. Continue to enjoy and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, mate. Yeah, cheers, Smitty. Um, yeah, I'll cheers. be enjoying the summer and hoping to listen to you know, SCNZ having some cricket on there.
Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice. Uh, we've got some coming up later in the week as well, some uh, one days from the West Indies. So uh, enjoy, mate. Yeah, Thank mate. you. Thanks yeah, for your that, time. That been going well. Cheers, mate. Yeah, they have. Cheers, man. They have. Thanks, uh, Brent Matahari there. Head coach for the Otago Nuggets. Uh, yeah, and uh, you mentioned the Black Caps going well. Not quite so well this morning. In fact, that was a dead rubber. Um, but they got um, they got their comeuppance. I think it's fair to say West Indies winning that T20 by eight wickets. But uh, the big story, of course, basketball-wise, is that uh, the Otago Nuggets knocked over the Auckland Tuatara 81-73, quite comfortable by grand final standards. It's 10-17. For all winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, this morning, our panellists, first panel of the week, uh, Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. Uh, good morning to uh, both of you two uh, gentlemen. Jamie Wall, uh, you'd have been a disappointed man if you'd fronted up to the press conference uh, in South Africa from uh, Mark Robinson. What did you make of all that? Uh, well, I wasn't too disappointed given that they'd actually signalled that there wasn't going to be any sort of big announcement being made on the call. Um, so, you know, it was very much ex- expecting what we what we ended up getting, which was, um, I, I guess, a lot of nothing. I mean, I, I, I heard you, Andrew Gordy speaking about it, and he, he kind of summed it up pretty well, I thought. Although I will, you know, give them a little bit of... Um, Slack, considering that the last time that they didn't show up for a press conference when everyone was expecting them to, they got even more grief. So they were kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, you know, he had to, he did, you know, he sat there and he talked for a good, you know, better part of half an hour. So, you know, it's, uh, can't fault him for not, for not fronting up. And given that it is an employment matter that we're talking about, and given that he did make it clear that, you know, had they lost that test, reading between the lines rather, that they'd lost that test, that, that Foster was gone, and that that, I guess what you could call remarkable all-black performance has completely kind of thrown everything up in the air a little bit in terms of Foster's leverage over the situation uh, means that it meant that he, he couldn't really say what he wanted to say. Um, but it's pretty obvious that, that he does. But given that it's a board decision uh, and they now have to wait for, for that process to, to get underway and and resolve itself that, you know, there's, there wasn't much he could say anyway, really. Okay, um, Brad Lewis, uh, I, I imagine you were watching on uh, from a, lo- a distance as well over to the events over the weekend. Uh, I mean, to me, he was about 12 minutes away from losing his job, and then all of a sudden the last 12 minutes with a man in the bin, being uh, Bowden Barrett. Uh, incredible comeback, Brad, um, for them to win that game and, and look so convincing in doing it. So, uh, I think, was it as easy as saying it was on those last 12 minutes? Uh, potentially, and like, I think we were 12 minutes away from Mark Ryan, Kyoto, uh, Smithy, Kyoto, Hamis. Uh, we're about 12 minutes away from Mark Robinson's press conference and press conference being beautifully timed. And look, the cynic in me says that that press conference was A, set up, as Jamie said, because they learned from their mistakes from last month. Um, but also, like most of the country, Smithy, uh, we, Mark Robinson did not think the All Blacks were going to win that test match. New Zealand Rugby did not think the New All Blacks were going to win that test match. And I think that that press conference was set up to say, basically, while Foster may potentially not be going, the re- and, and it, I think there would have been a clearer message to the media and to the public yesterday. But um, that great result and Artie Savia coming out and saying, he's my coach, uh, Sam Kane saying, um, you know, we, we've blocked out the outside noise, we're focusing on ourselves. 
um, and, and putting on a, a great performance for the public and for the jersey. Now, uh, even though a lot of us, I, I still thoroughly believe that Ian Foster will not win the World Cup or we will not win the World Cup with Ian Foster as All Blacks coach. There's too much proof in the pudding with, what, six losses in the last eight test matches that uh, he's not the right person for the job. They Look, full credit, Smithy. I thought they played phenomenally well for, for a majority of that game on Sunday morning. Um, I thought they defended superbly in the first test match and they turned that around in the second test where they actually attacked with vigour and um, they were brilliant under the high ball. Will Jordan is just a simply magnificent player. Uh, but yeah, I, I, Gordy summed it up great in his opinion piece. I've just finished reading it where he, you know, he said it was um, they learned from their mistakes by sitting in the press, press conference, but what they've accomplished is nothing. And if anything, uh, as shown on 6pm news last night, where TVNZ and News are both leading with Mark Robertson saying not, not much at all, rather than putting the focus on what was a phenomenal test performance. Okay, um, right, let's uh, just speculate a wee bit here, can we? Uh, Jamie in particular, first of all, uh, I just wonder how this plays out now. And we, we haven't got a lot of time. It's uh, less than a fortnight now till that test match against Argentina in Christchurch. Uh, it's quite clear that uh, Ian Foster within the group has some backing um, on the board because otherwise he probably would have been gone after Ireland. Now that backing will turn around and say, we told you, we told you he could win one over there. How do you see it planning out? Well, I think the reaction from the players uh, afterwards was pretty interesting, uh, given that it was, it seems like at least that it was player power that got Plumtree and Brad Moore um, removed. So perhaps there is a lot more weight um, to their opinions than you might think, which is an interesting kind of prospect, given that, uh, you know, that this is a decision that should be made, well, it's supposed to be made by a board above a CEO. So, you know, why the players have that much sway over, over things is, you know, deserves a bit of a conversation of its own. Um, and saying that, though, there was another result on the weekend um, that could have a pretty big bearing on things that happened, and that's yeah. that Argentina absolutely smashed the Wallabies. Um, so they're coming over here as, as a pretty distinct prospect of, of uh, like, like looking to create a bit of history of their own. They've just seen Ireland come over and win their first ever test match in New Zealand. Um, remember, they, they beat the All Blacks a couple of years ago. Um, they, they're not, they, their whole mindset around, around um, uh, playing the All Blacks is not what, it was, not what it used to be. And so I think that they uh, present a much tougher prospect than I think Foster and, and a lot of New Zealand rugby fans probably, probably think. And so, yeah, the, the fortnight in between, uh, to be able to either make a change because you can talk about how great that all black victory was till the cows come home and that, that's awesome but it's not a sustainable way to um win win rugby games they'd, they'd completely just re- revamped themselves over the week and surprised the Springboks with the way they played um you can't just constantly count on su- surprising people um so i think that uh, the, there is enough time to bring in someone else um given that that's what they wanted to do anyway uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think that Robbins has obviously made it clear that Foster's going to be gone. OK, interesting. Uh, we shall take a, a quick news break. I'll come back and get your opinion on that uh, as well, Brad. Particularly, I suppose it's uh, easy to, to make a change if the guy you're bringing in is coaching in his own city, on his own ground, uh, with a lot of his own players. That might um, make it a slightly easier decision, if that is the case. Uh, we'll th- talk about that with uh, Brad Lewis and Jamie Wall. Uh, when we return here for the panel, it's 10.30 and here is 
Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis uh, with us this morning here on the panel. Brad, um, uh, what are you forecasting this week at, at headquarters then? Yeah, um, well, if they're going to make a change, Smithy, it has to be this week, right? You cannot come out and say Ian Foster is our coach for the Pumas test matches because uh, what what good does that do the team? What good does it do Fozzie? Like, if, if Fozzie keeps his job, he now keeps his job through the World Cup. You cannot make any more changes. I think we've we've hit that point, right, where um, any changes after this is too late um, with, what, four or five tests left uh, in, in the home season. That that change has to be made this week. And as you said, um, it's a pretty nice welcoming if a, if a certain Scott Robertson uh, is the person that they decide to, to move forth and coach this team. I don't know if Jamie's probably got better oil than that. Joe Schmidt, I know, has, has been talked about as a potential caretaker coach through the World Cup. But uh, if they're going to make a change, it has to be now. They, they cannot wait any longer because what if they beat Argentina twice and then lose to Australia with Fozzie in charge twice? And then we've got a whole summer to talk about uh, the all-black coaching position moving forward until until next year. So that decision needs to be made right away. Uh, I, I get the distinct feeling that Mark Robertson wants a new coach and I would not be surprised if, if that's where we're heading. But player power is a big thing in sports, Smithy. It always has been. And if you've got six or seven of our most experienced and key All Blacks all uh, talking to New Zealand Rugby and talking to the selection committee, whatever it is, saying, we, Fozzie's our man, we want Fozzie, that's going to be very hard for them to ignore. Mm, I, I think almost impossible, impossible to ignore. Um, even bearing in mind that um, the coach that would be perhaps coming in is uh, a personal favourite of a lot of them as well, uh, I would un- I would mm. be thinking. Um, Jamie, um, here's the thing. Uh, we didn't even expect uh, an all-black win, to be perfectly honest. We certainly didn't expect the Warriors to beat the Bulldogs 42-18. Ah, <laughs> hell of a weekend. Uh, eh? it, was, it was the dream for the punter of the outsider. Huh. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's... Um it's a very, I think it's probably the only time in history that you've got a, a Warriors result and an All Black result that you can sort of talk about in the same way. Um, I, yeah, I was at, I was at the game on Friday. Um, first off, massive, massive ups to the, the fans. You had almost 17,000 people there um, to watch uh, a Warriors, a Warriors team that's obviously had a very disappointing season. Um, so to show, to see, be around that, it was the first game I'd, I'd attended, um, obviously in almost three years. Um, so to be back in that atmosphere was really something quite special. Uh, so well done well done to everybody um, who showed up there, uh, except the showy guy. He can, he can piss off. Um, but the, 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 the result itself um, was just one of those things where it was like, damn, if only they could do that, if they could play like this on a consistent basis. You know, you, you actually got to see how good that team could possibly be. Um, uh, afterwards, uh, Tohu Harris rated it as obviously you know up there with the best of, of the season. I would say it's qu- quite easily their best performance um, <clears throat> of the season. Uh, and it was just great to see Sean Johnson like really wind the clock back and, and score that match ceiling try uh, in front of the South Stand. So yeah, I mean it's one of those ones where you know you probably if they can keep if they can keep that going for the next I think it's three games uh, left if they can sort of roll that sort of form on, then we're going to have another big summer of them getting talked up and the, this is this is our year conversation for 2023. Okay. Um, what did you make of it, Brad? 
I thought I thought it was great, and I, I I'm with Jamie. I'm so stoked for the fans. Like they deserve this, and the play, you know, like the players. I know we, we, we're hard on them, but uh, you know they they want to do what the best they can for this team. They don't want to lose every game by 30 points. You know, Tohu Harris has been a winner his whole entire career. I, I'm sure that that was a, a relief for him as well, uh, and and just just impressed with the the freedom they played with, like the confidence they played with, almost like the shackles have been released, much like the All Blacks in a way. I thought the All Blacks played with a lot of freedom. Uh, as well, and, and the Warriors sort of played with the well, you know, it can't get any worse, uh, and and it just goes to show, I think, that, and this is where we need to cut them some slack, guys, and that is they haven't played at home for three seasons, and you and you look back at the record of the Warriors, and and every year they have two or three home games where they sort of spank a team by 30, 40 points, uh, because that home home side can can get you up in the last 20 minutes and get you home, and they haven't had that for three years, and I, I think. Uh, we can start to judge this team uh, properly from next season uh, when they are playing half their games at home. And hopefully if the NRL comes to the party, which they absolutely should, the Warriors don't play one game out of Australia next year until the playoffs. Or out of New Zealand, I beg your pardon. Yeah, interesting. Uh, absolutely interesting. And this, of course, with an interim coach, because uh, they know where their future is, even if it's uh, with a new coach next year and new coaching personnel. Quite interesting uh, you play under that uh, particular regime. But anyway, um, let's uh, focus uh, a little bit on domestic rugby, Jamie, if we can. Man, this, uh, this Bunnings NPC is shaping up to be a cracker. Um, sides, um, sides are outperforming themselves on previous form. Uh, Favourites getting beaten. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Canterbury again with a side that I think uh, when they started their starting 15 last week was full of Super 15 players, Super 15 talent. Goodness me, they look like uh, they're going to be tough to roll Canterbury. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just part of the course, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I, I have uh, I really enjoyed Taranaki getting thumped by Bay of Plenty. Um, that, was, that was a fun result for me. Um, actually, I'm enjoying watching <clears throat> every other team except for Wellington um, lose, and then Wellington lose anyway. So, you know, that's just the way the NPC uh, goes. Um, just from a, obviously being based in Auckland, um, Interesting conversations been having up here about the makeup of the Auckland team and the amount of players that have been brought in um, when Auckland, you'd think, would have quite a strong player base uh, going on. You know, you only had, I think there's only two players from the Monaco Rovers club that won the Gallagher Shield, which is pretty uh, competitive competition um, up there. So I think that there's a bit of a, there's, there's a little bit of a feeling of disconnect up here in Auckland around the NPC team, around um, who it's actually representing and and, and the way they're playing. But at the same time, they, they are getting the results. I'll give them that, even though I believe that... I didn't see it, but was there a fire alarm or something that went off in, a, uh, at, in the game yesterday? And they, and they had to they had to evacuate the stadium onto the, onto the field or something some, like that. Like, I, mean, someone, that is just, that's, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Like, that, that's the only good happen yeah. in New Zealand. Was it burnt cheese roll or something? That's right, yeah, a burnt cheese roll. You, and you don't... I mean, down south, that, that's sacrilege to burn, to burn those yeah. cheese rolls. They are a winner. They yeah. are a winner. Aucklanders love to back a one or two guys, right? So uh, we will, uh, you know, as we've seen, Auckland's been pretty competitive for the last sort of three seasons. We take out last season, of course, which was a write-off with COVID. But uh, yeah, we we love as Aucklanders to get behind a winner. So I don't care really who they're bringing in, as long as we get the W most weeks uh, out of not. Where can I can I ask you guys, uh, Brad? I ask you first. Where do where do where do we sit with RTS now, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck? I mean, where does he sit within the All Black squad within the group? And should he not be playing some rugby? 
Yeah, that's a great question, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. If, if he has gone, if he if he's not going to be part of this the, this first team lineup moving forward, he absolutely needs to get playing some rugby. I haven't even thought about that until you brought it up. And look, I'm not convinced David Harvey is the 12th of the future. Uh, he had a reasonably good game on the weekend. Um, I, I like what Quinn Sapire brings brings to his game, and obviously ALB and Jack Goodhue are going to be part of that midfield as we forward. And Rico had an outstanding game, although he had been poor for the three tests before that. But uh, yeah, uh, if he's not going to be playing any rugby for the All Blacks in, in the coming weeks, and I think we will see a lot of those players like your Dalton Papali'is if he's not part of that um, 23 movement. But with a new coach coming in, Smithy, potentially, who knows, right? So, like, uh, maybe if if, uh, if Razor comes in, he might have a different idea of what his, his 23 looks like. But, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see a guy like Roger Tuovasashek who needs rugby, given plenty of rugby for Auckland. I'm sure Auckland would, would um, snap him up in a heartbeat if he, would, if he became available. Where does, where does he sit for you, Jamie? Because, you know, the, he was fast-tracked. There's no doubt about it. He was fast-tracked. But it's clearly not part of the plans when the, when the acid really went on. I mean, he, what, he got a token period of play on a losing test match in Wellington, and that's it. Yeah, it's certainly not the way we saw this story playing out uh, when he was announced um, as moving up, switching codes last year. I mean, he, first off, he's, he's barely played at all. Um, let alone, you know, really impressed. Like oh, he obviously had showed the goods in, in Super Rugby, which I, you know, justified his selection in the All Blacks. But where he actually fits in uh, in a test match, like a top level test match, obviously the All Blacks uh, schedule hasn't helped him at all because they've all been, you know, uh, games where you you want your top fifteen on the field. There hasn't been like a couple of gimme tests against uh, lesser opposition in there that you could give him a start. And and I don't think there's going to be with this Argentinian team um, coming over. Perhaps if they thrash them in the first test, then then maybe he'd get a run there. But yeah, like Brad said, I I would much rather have him turning out for Auckland um, and the NPC, uh, where he can not only you know get the ball in his hands quite a bit, but draw a lot of eyeballs to that competition. Because as we can sit here and talk about as much as, much as we like, because we're NPC tragics and we grew up with it and everything, but it's definitely a, com- a competition that needs some more attention put on it because the crowds are down. Um, I'm, I'm guessing the, the viewing numbers are down and, and it, it really needs something to, to kind of reignite it um, more than people burning their cheese rolls in, a, in the grandstand. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis have been our panellists this morning and still we wait for the outcome to uh, what the All Blacks uh, board members are actually going to do. Uh, going forward. It is uh, 10.42 here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Some quite incredible scenes, actually, at the FedEx St Jude Championship this morning. It is still going. They're in the third hole of a playoff. Will Zalatoris uh, from uh, the United States up against Sepp Strucker from uh, Austria. Uh, they're playing the third hole, as I said. Uh, both, uh, it's a par three. Um, Zalatoris set off first, and it's got his ball wedged in between um, the rock wall beside the green and the fringe of the rough, and doesn't quite know how to play it. Meanwhile, the other guy, Stroker, hit his one in the water following that, and then turned around um, unbelievably, um, hit the next one in the bunker behind the green. So at best, he's putting for five. Zalatoris has now taken a drop has to go all the way back to, uh, I think, the drop zone to see if he can do any better. So at this stage, he has to beat five. He'll be playing his third. It is odd, really odd scenes uh, there anyway. 
you're watching it, uh, you'll know all about it. Some texts uh, have come in this morning, of course. So where the hell is Darren Shan in all of this? Deafening silence for the boss of the operational and playing group. Well, um, I'm not quite sure Shandy is uh, the overall boss as such. I think Gilbert Anoka is quite powerful in there as well. Uh, you're saying, um, Dave is saying he surely has to do his own reviews of assistance, etc. as well. Secondly, we do. We lose Robertson this week and sleep well. Not a chance. Time for the future. I'm picking the board as go- looking to clean out more than Foster as per Robertson's list of help. OK, we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Anthony says... Uh, hi Smithy, NZR, if you are stuck in the middle, the All Blacks have been under par for a year and a half, unprecedented losses too, Argentina, Ireland three times, France and South Africa, if Foster, who is a good bloke, gets replaced, it's just life, that's the reality of sport, uh, says Anthony. Uh, hi Smithy, that was an amazing one by the All Blacks, especially as they were getting pinged by the ref for anything possible, for once we used our forwards to give the, the back some room to play, where has this been get, uh, game plan been for the last three years? Uh, one game uh, it doesn't win, we've turned a corner, says JJ. The team and coach had a blowtorch uh, on their ass, so to speak, and we have to ask, why does it take that for a good performance to turn up? The, the loss to Ireland forced change with the assistance. Fozzie was forced to change. It wasn't volunteered. Reality is two from the last seven against top-tier competition. That's why questions are being asked. Don't respect, uh, disrespect Argentina as easy beats. Fozzie's team was the first team to lose to them. We could well, very well do it again. Mark says, Smithy, seriously, it's one game Foster's still got a crap record as a coach. If the Crusaders forward coach wasn't there to help them, uh, who knows what would have happened. He needs to go if we want a chance to win the World Cup and the Bledisloe Cup, that is a mark. Ian says, hi Smithy, how uh, such of, much of South Africa's selection was due to being required to have a certain number of coloured players in the squad? It was obvious that played a part in their first half performance and subsequent replacements relatively early in the game. Having said that, they, the go-forward momentum of the All Blacks had in the first 30 put South Africa under a lot of pressure and it was only when they managed to use their strategies to slow the game that they got back into it. Yeah, good observations there. In terms of the quota, that is a dicey a dicey topic, isn't it? Well, not so much in this country, but over there, quite clearly they have to make changes in that. The, the team selections have to be approved before they actually uh, formalise them. Uh, but then, of course, he's got uh, the coach has got carte blanche to, um, to make the changes he wants during the 80 minutes. Um, you would imagine, uh, at this point anyway, that might just change. If uh, what happens, uh, what happened on the weekend keeps happening, uh, let's not forget uh, that uh, the weekend's win only makes it two wins from the last seven, and that's just not good enough. Fozzie has to go. Moanga looked good because the forwards did their job and took the pressure off the backs. Despite that, he still threw an intercept pass. Also ran into one of our players instead of making a tackle. Barrett had an off day, but if he had a game when the forwards played like that, he would run circles around Moanga. When Moanga scored four tries against an international team like Australia. When does he? When has he not? We have proven that a team full of Cantabrians does not make a World Cup winning team. Remember, 03 and 19. Lastly, Kane looked as lost as a leader again. He has to go. It is 10:52 here on SCNZ. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The Love Racing NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Quick chat with uh, Louis Herman. What this morning, uh, Louis? Highlights of the weekend's racing? 
Yeah, uh, there were there were plenty, Smithy. Uh, Mr. Brightside, the ex-Kiwi over there in the PB Lawrence State uh, at Caulfield. Unfortunately, Elephant didn't run on, but great to see Mr. Brightside come back after winning the Doncaster, gets the proper weight this time, and was super. Smithy, um, back here in New Zealand, we had Kevin Myers at the four again. West Coast for Mark Oligan in the National Steeple, Grand National Steeplechase, and just one hands and heels really in the end. So far too classy for the rest of them. And today at 1pm, you can go to loveracing.nz if you want to tune into the memorial service for Taiki Yanagita. Um, loveracing.nz, they've got a link for you. I think it is at the Matamoto Racecourse, so lots of people will be heading along. But if you can't make it there, head to loveracing.nz and you can find a link if you want to tune in. Um, great that they're doing that and making it accessible for the public after a family service, I think, late last week. Smithy, so big week of racing as the spring is just around the corner. We'll talk more about that later in the week, I'm sure. Okay, Louis, thanks very much for that uh, update there. Uh, Paul Moati joins us from the TAB. I'd say a relatively happy TAB because the All Blacks did you a bit of a favour, Paul Moati. Well, (laughs) they sort of did, Smithy. There was a lot of late money uh, come for the All Blacks. Uh, what they opened up at 270. I'm not sure what price they closed at just before the off, but we did take quite a lot of money on Saturday night and into Sunday morning on the All Blacks. So there's plenty of happy punters out there who back the All Blacks at 270 uh, and have come away with the chocolates. Just having a look at today, got a big uh, Major League Baseball game here. The uh, Boston Red Sox up against the New York Yankees. This is the third game of a three-game set. The first two games split uh, 1-1. And we've got the Yankees as... Where are we here? Just having a look down the page. Yankees are currently a $1.70 favourite up against the Boston Red Sox, who are $2.10. Uh, the total is at 9.5, over 9.5, $1.95, under 9.5 at $1.79. And you've just seen uh, Will Zalatoris pick up a win in the St. Jude's Classic and a on the third playoff hole, I think it was, uh, beating Sepp Stracker. So those who backed Will Zalatoris, very, very happy this morning, Smitty. Uh, happy. Uh, thanks very much, Paul. And that includes Dave, uh, who was a, a Zalatoris uh, punter this morning. Uh, Dave, your congratulations. You won. Uh, we'll be back with Vossi after the 11 o'clock news. Stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. They go towards the left again, here's Burton. Now they've got a bit of space out wide to the left. Now a quick pass, it's intercepted by Matini Zalesniak. He's got space, he's got pace. He's going over the 40, over the 30. No one's going to catch him. Where's that O'Car? Nowhere to be seen. Dallin Watini Zalesniak goes the length of the field. And the Warriors have try number two. Johnson generally takes this one off the back as he does this time. Going to the left, and here they're going to get a little bit of an overlap. He's got Reese Walsh running on the outside. Walsh goes to take the line on, but gets the pass away to Cossey. And Edward Cossey scores the Warriors' third try. Easy as you like in the left-hand corner. It's going to be 16 points to six. A few casualties for the Bulldogs. Here's Johnson gets through a hole. He's got men on his outside. And it's inside. He dummies. He goes himself under the sticks. That'll just about do it. Sean Johnson comes to the party. That uh, was the sound of uh, Sam Hewitt going uh, through the gears uh, as he commentated uh, some spectacular Warriors tries at the weekend here on SENZ. Quite remarkable uh, turnaround there. Just looking at some of the results uh, over the weekend. Of course, Warriors 42, the Bulldogs 18, the Storm 16, the Panthers 0. 
Yeah, get that. 16-0, the Panthers. Where have they disappeared to? Uh, the Rabbitohs keeping the Eels scoreless, 26-0. The Roosters, 32. The Cowboys, 18. The Sharks, 36. The West Tigers, 12. Broncos, 28. Knights, 10. The Raiders, 24. The Dragons, 22. And incredibly, yesterday, a bad result for the Sea Eagles. The Gold Coast Titans thumping them, thumping them by 20, 44 to 24. Some quite remarkable results over the weekend. I'm pleased to say we've got Andrew Voss on the line, of course, the voice of Rugby League on television. Uh, Vossie, um, well, let's go back. Can we go back as far as uh, the, the first game of the round? The Storm 16, keeping the Panthers scoreless. Didn't see that. Yeah, we... We can certainly go back. Good morning, everyone. Um, on that result, now both teams can say they had players out, although uh, on balance, Penrith uh, greatly affected by the fact you take out three of their playmakers. The Dylan Edwards loss on game day was big on the back of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. But we're, but look, there's some pretty damning stats against Penrith, and they've been priding themselves on next man up and all that sort of thing. They had 55 tackles inside the Storm 20 in the match. 55 and did not come up with a single point. So that is um, most disappointing. Didn't seem to get much with their play. They, they couldn't get Viliami kick out into the game on the left, um, so that was surprising. But Melbourne Storm, three in a row after four straight losses, um, it will be defence that gets Melbourne to right to the pointy end of the season rather than attack, um, uh, where I was about to write them off as genuine premiership contender. They're certainly still in the mix. You do it at your peril. But I think there are sides playing better than Melbourne. Even though they've, they've beaten Penrith 16-0, I think the former teams like the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, who will probably finish below Melbourne, uh, might be better. Might be better. OK. Uh, we'll look at the, uh, the points table uh, shortly. Um, not appearing on the points table with any significance, of course, are our Warriors. But 42-18 <laughs> over the Bulldogs. And uh, the, they finished the game in uh, absolute style. A trademark uh, Sean Johnson dummy. And then under the post. So it was pretty spectacular in front of 17,000 faithful. Oh, yeah, so good. Look, back in the day, when Daryl Halligan and I called our Warriors matches on Sky Sport New Zealand, we used to, we used to joke that a Warriors game never really begun until the last 10 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, they could have leads, but no one felt comfortable. They could lead by, you know, 12, 18 points going to the last 10 and you're not feeling safe. They could trail by that and come up with points. Well, it was nice to see the other day. I mean, the game was in the balance, wasn't it? 24-18. I, I thought Warriors thoroughly deserved to win the game, but they're still not home. And then all of a sudden, three tries in the last, what, five or six minutes um, takes the scoreline out to 40. So I'm, re I'm just really happy that they not, not only backed up what was an awful performance last week against South Sydney, that they not only played well, that they, they finished strongly, top 40 points, made the fans feel good. I, I just hope that that can carry on over the next three weeks, be it at home or away um, with the Warriors. And, of course, their, their next match is all the way up in Townsville, so it's a pretty tough road trip. They'll play the Cowboys coming off a loss. But I, but I do hope that they go with the same... Gusto and vigour when they take on the Cowboys um, this week. Have they made a mistake, uh, the Warriors, um, if they're not looking to re-sign Dejan Asi? Oh, oh, well, they've got um, they've got Luke Metcalf coming across to them. Now, you haven't seen much of Luke because Cronulla are going very well, but I'm thinking he's a player. I'm thinking they're going to get good value out of um, Metcalf coming to the Warriors. So, 
Um, I, you know, I'd like to think, again, while you haven't seen much of him in the NRL, I, I think he's a bit like Connor Tracy at the Sharks too. There's another player that goes very well, um, that would be playing first grade every single week at another club. But, you know, when, when the um, Sharks have their uh, wingers, Militalo and Katoa fit, that he doesn't sort of fit in anywhere. But I think Metcalf's going to be a good signing. So they're, so, they're going to sort of work out what they're doing around the players they have. And you, you, I suppose you, you can't have... You can't go over the top with too many halves and five eights. You've got to, you've got to put your priority somewhere. Okay. Um, let's talk, can we talk about Ed, Ed Cossey, uh, this young kid, 23-year-old yeah, kid, who's he's scoring some great tries. What, what kind of future for him? And is he, is, would he be a target for other clubs? That's, that's the problem you get mm. when you get a, a player of that age yeah. with that much quality. No. Well, mate, I'm still, Smithy, I'm still getting over the fact that David Fusatua no longer plays for the Warriors. You know, one of my favourite players, great finisher, can't believe that he's he's um, he's not there applying his trade with the Warriors. Look, um, showing great promise, uh, and, and you would say from his first performances in the NRL, you think, oh gee, I don't know whether whether he's up to it. But he's obviously a work in progress. Those closest to the Warriors know what they've got to work with. That there's a bit of a, a rough diamond there, and we're starting to see the results. So, you know, put another off season into him, um, and, and now that he knows what the NRL is about, what's expected of him. Um, could carry on a, a great tradition of of um, some some damn fine wingers out of the Warriors. So um, I hope for the Warriors' sake, he's going to stay there rather than end up elsewhere. Quite a nice fan base, Bulldogs uh, fan base in, in New Zealand, actually. And, and uh, I guess they'd be pretty depressed about their season in all. And uh, you get a guy like Josh Adokar uh, coming across um, after being so successful with Melbourne. Um, where do you see the Bulldogs? Well, yeah, I look. I didn't have them in my top eight, so I'm not going to say where they finish is a surprise. I, they, they certainly improved with Mick Potter coming on board as coach, and suddenly the the, you know, the scoring average. The weekend was was a was a was a step back. The the loss to the Warriors was a step back for mine, and the previous week they were in there um, for a long way. But uh, look, they've, they've just announced that Cameron Seraldo will be there for five years, so they've locked in their coach. They've already got the signings of the likes of Kickow. Reed Marnie, Ryan Sutton out of the Raiders coming on board next uh, year. There's still a bit of cleaning out to do of the roster, but now that Cameron Serraldo's on board, I guess he'll have the final say on that. They are headed in the right direction, Smithy, but it's not at, at not not at a rate of knots, is it? Like I, I don't know whether I'm even going to be tipping this far out whether Canterbury will make the eight next year, but they are improving from you know bottom of the table. They're going to finish uh, bottom four or five this year then hopefully, for their sake, they're, they're, they're sort of in and around the eight next year, uh, given the roster they will have and, and the expectations of the new coach. Really nice gesture, though. Uh, they came into the Warriors' uh, dressing room, apparently, after the game to thank them for the sacrifice, keeping uh, the, mm. keeping on going uh, during the NRL uh, pandemic, of course. Yeah, love to hear that. Love to hear that. And, and, and yeah, that, message, that message resonates across the fan base uh, here in Australia as well for the appreciation of what the Warriors done. And look, I, again, if you did a survey of rugby league fans in Australia, there's certainly no objection to the, the idea, and I certainly stand by it, that the Warriors should play every single game in New Zealand next year. I'm all for that. I, I think the NRL club should sit down at the table and say, right, well, we, we'll, we'll take our uh, home game against the Warriors. We'll, we'll play that in Christchurch. We'll take our home game. We'll take it at the Rarotonga. We'll, you know, wherever, Whangarei, we'll go everywhere. I just think the Warriors should have an entire season at home. Don't have to step onto a international flight once. 
um, through the regular season next year. And I think if you surveyed the fans, I think it would come out the majority would support that as well. It would be interesting to see what the um, Australian players within the Warriors group would think of that concept, Fossey. <clears throat> oh, well, <laughs> well I, I'm hoping that they're, um, they're all behind what's best for the club and its fans. Uh, Smithy, I'll, I'll answer that one diplomatically. Um, and, and given what the rugby league fans, it's not just Warriors fans, it's rugby league fans have had to endure in New Zealand over the last few years tonight of seeing the product firsthand. I think 12 months of uh, that. I mean, look, they're talking, Smithy, about having three buys next year. Um, now, we might, we might go from one buy to three buys next season when they work out how the season's going to work. So there would be time to you know, have a week off here or there and get away. So, But I, but I think fans, fans, club, sponsor comes first. Rabbitohs, 26. The Eels blanked as well, 26 0. Um, that's, a, that's a hell of a result, and it's bumped them uh, up to what, fifth on the ladder now? Well, Parramatta, I'll, I'll make a statement on the Eels on what we've seen this year, and they're, they're the only team they've beaten Penrith twice. Um, Parramatta could win the grand final, but don't take that out of the context I'm using that. They won't get to the grand final because they can't put together four weeks. You know, they, they are so good on their given day and, and proven by the performances against Penrith this year, but they just cannot... You know, Matty John said on my program this morning, you know when they put on a good performance that a stinker's not too far away. That's the truth. I mean, that was so poor. They can't, you know, Mitchell Moses out of the side, surely, you know, 26 0 the scoreline, and that was the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs could have won by 40, to be quite honest. Um, so, so Parramatta have issues. Uh, and while they... You know, there's still a chance to finish in the top four, but I'm thinking they're going to be bottom half of the top eight. They could run into, like, a rooster side that's, you know, won six or seven, you know, going into the finals. So I think it's it's more negative than positive, the outlook for Parramatta right now, but it really is a case of the ball is in your court. At your best, you are a contender. But the next three weeks, you need to find that momentum going into the finals, and it starts with Canterbury. This Saturday afternoon, I reckon, is a massive danger game for them, Bulldogs having already beaten Parramatta once this year. I want to look uh, a little bit, too, at this Roosters performance over the Cowboys. Cowboys, of course, uh, second behind the Panthers on the table. To me, that was uh, quite a big turn-up, but they had motivation there. It was James Tedesco's 200th game. Uh, but the work rate, too, of uh, a fallen warrior, shall we say, and Matt Lodge was quite impressive. Oh, the front row. Look, incredibly, I was calling the match here. Um, at one stage in the second half, I added up the run metres of Jared Oria Hargreaves, who's still one of the best front rows in the game. I love him as a player. What a leader. And Matt Lodge, they combined had run for more metres than the entire Cowboys pack. That is, that's a damning set. It's not like possession was incredibly weighted the Roosters' way. It was just the work rate of the two front rowers. It was old-fashioned, build a platform up front and go from there. Um, and they got rewarded even with four-pointers. How, what about that stat, Smitty? The entire front row scored for the Roosters the other day. Lodge broke up a try drought of some three years. Jared goes over for what was it, the 15th try of his career. Uh, Sam Beryl scores a try. It had been 40 years since the starting front row for the Roosters had all scored in the same game. So there was a, a curious little stat. But if they, if they have that platform and you've got Tokiaho to come back, you've got Lindsay Collins to come back, they will have the best front row rotation in the competition going into the finals. And that's a great box to tick.
um, with Kiri back in form, Tedesco at the back, Manu, one of the best players in the league. Look out. The Roosters are in this up to their eyeballs. Looks like the Sea Eagles uh, season is uh, done and dusted um, oh, on the back of yeah. a, a, a thumping yesterday, last game of the round. Titans 44, Sea Eagles 24. That's a terrible oh. result. Oh, awful result. With so much to play for. And, you know, you're playing the team team. Last. You know the Titans haven't won a game since Magic Round? I mean, I can barely remember Magic Round. It's that long ago. <laughs> when the, that's when the Titans last won. And they had not scored, they hadn't scored 30 points or more in a game this year, and they put on 44 against a team in, still in finals contention, albeit a long shot. But some of the defence was just so... Uh, look, they won't want to watch back a replay. It really was embarrassing from Manly yesterday. It was an embarrassment. And, and their season's done and dusted. I don't want to hear anyone tell me mathematically possible they can make it. Um, it, ain't, it ain't, just ain't going to happen. And, and I sort of look back... I think Manly season may have ended three weeks ago now, to be honest. Uh, you know, they're on a losing run um, and very disappointing. I expected far more of them. I had them in the top four this year. That was with Tom Trebojevic, I must admit. Weren't to know that he was going to be sidelined for the second half of the season. But um, no, that's been a, a really disappointing result for the season. But yesterday, the low point, um, they've got three weeks to get through now. Let's see how they go. Right, let's uh, just uh, quickly look at um, what's coming up this week. Uh, Vossi, I'm not quite sure which one's your book to call, but uh, the three first ones, probably the three key ones. We're looking the Rabbitohs, Panthers, uh, Cowboys, Warriors, and Broncos and Storm are probably the three key games looking at the weekend. Yeah, I'll look, Rabbitohs, Panthers, again, players out. Um, they'd be hoping they get Dylan Edwards back, but, but it's big. You know, um, Latrell Mitchell in the form he's in, he's in... He's in Tommy Trevojevic areas from last year. And, you know, Cody Walker-Stars, you've got a south side that is capable of scoring, you know, 20, 30 points every single game. So the Panthers' defence will be put to the test. Cowboys-Warriors is a vital game, obviously, for the Cowboys. Um, their form a little scratchy. Uh, Brisbane-Melbourne is big. Can you say Brisbane are back on the back of beating Newcastle? I don't know about that, but they'd want to improve when they take on Melbourne. So there are some big matches um, again, I think Parramatta-Canterbury is a game you won't want to take your eyes off either this weekend. I, I really think you know, Canterbury will be, will be well and truly revved up to, to put pressure on Parramatta and there's going to be some big... Like, Parramatta, like when we're talking about mathematical po possibilities, Smithy, if you have looked at the draw for the last three rounds, I mean, Parramatta could miss the eight. There's a chance that come the end of this weekend, we will have teams five to eight... So the bottom four of the top eight all on the same number of points with the Raiders only two points behind. So two points between fifth and ninth. I can't remember a season like that um, just a few weeks out from the finals. No, it's, it is. It's quite intriguing, actually. And my God, it's, a hard, it's hard to pick. It really is hard. I wonder if it's a little, little easier to pick uh, in terms of the NRLW, with, which kicks off uh, this weekend. Six teams going uh, into the competition this round, looking to expand, I guess, going forward. Roosters, uh, a chance to go back-to-back -back here? Oh, look, well, look, i tell you what is massive news, Smithy, uh, out of the NRLW here. I'm not sure whether too many would be aware. So we're opening the new, what was the Sydney Football Stadium, reopened. I was there on the, on the weekend at next door at the SCG. It looks fantastic. It will, it will open in the final round with the Roosters playing the Rabbitohs. But it was announced over the weekend that it won't be the NRL that plays the actual first game at, uh, at, at Allianz Stadium, the Sydney Football Stadium. It will be the NRLW, and the Roosters will have the honour 
uh, of playing the women against the Dragons. I mean, that's tremendous, uh, a tremendous moment for them that they will be the first to play at this, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars it costs, but it's a very impressive looking stadium. Um, and, and it will be the women, women's rugby league will be the very first sporting event played there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I uh, look forward to that and the coverage of that as well. Uh, how about the Wallabies getting spanked by uh, Lost Pumas and Michael Checker quite emotional about the whole deal. 48-17 in Argentina after winning the first one. We talk about Ian Foster being under pressure. Dave Rennie's name being mentioned in dispatches over there. Ooh. Yeah, well, there's no one writing up in, much in the positive. What, so what is it? A, it's a year and three weeks out from the World Cup starting. I think I've got that right. Um, and I know, look, I know there was, and you can go back to the controversial no try before half time if some of our listeners saw it. It was a try that, if allowed, was going to put Australia in front. But fair to come, I don't think you can shout from the rooftops that you've been hard done by when you end up conceding so many points and lose by over 30. Um, no, it's, it's pretty underwhelming stuff from, uh, from the Wallabies. Um, with some big matches ahead, but but maybe we'll be crowing a different tune in a few weeks, Smithy. Let's let's keep our powder dry on that one before we put the slipper totally into the Wallabies, eh? Yep, uh, we'll keep our powder dry on that one. Uh, as is uh, Cameron Smith at the moment. Uh, what are you hearing? What are you hearing in terms of LIB? Oh, gone. Well, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone to live. You might as well get the money while it's on offer. Um, but he'll, you know, he's the, the way the FedEx is. They reduce the field every week, so he's through to the. Second, we got a two-shot penalty before the final round started today, and hasn't it didn't end up figuring in the finish. You got a two-shot penalty for an illegal placement of the ball after a, a drop and a ball in the water yesterday. But no, he's gone. I think I think you've got to say he's gone. I mean, there'd be nothing to gain um, through if if you're not going to live. Why wouldn't you just come out and say it? Because obviously people would go, "Oh, you beauty, you show." To to sit on the fence means you you're gone. I think so. He's gone. He's gone. Bugger. And that's all i got to say. Bugger. And thank you very much, uh, Vossi, for uh, your input this week. Uh, have a good week, mate. We look forward to your calls next weekend. Cheers. Yeah, and, and Warriors fans, enjoy the week. Enjoy the win you've mm. just had, and uh, now try and make it back-to-back. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Uh, 11.23. Thanks, Vossi. Have a good week, mate. Thank you. See you, Smithy. Cheers. Well, on the station, we are running a PGG Wrightson's Turf Field of Dreams competition, and basically, uh, it's up to you to enter. I mean, does your Field of Dreams need an upgrade? What is your Field of Dreams, and does it need uh, a bit of a revamp? You can win a completely uh, complete community sports field renovation here with us here at SENZ and PGG Wrightson Turf. What a great concept that is, to upgrade your particular club facility. How good would that be? All you have to do is go to uh, SENZ Radio, S-E-N-Z Radio dot N-Z, all lowercase, and head to the win page. So a real good opportunity for you uh, to make a difference to your local club, perhaps. And uh, speaking on the uh, field of dreams, boy, you were sitting uh, sideline on a field of dreams uh, over the weekend. In fact, uh, three nights in a row, you got quality basketball with amazing atmosphere, I would imagine. Four nights in a row, Smithy. Wednesday, Thursday, Whoa. Friday, Saturday. It was for a basketball fan in New Zealand. It was a great week. Event Finder Stadium, really, you know, they, they brought it. You know, the fans came to the party. A lot of traveling fans from Nelson, I might add, which was really cool. Uh, and there was quite a few Hawks Bay fans too there on the first night to support the, the Hawks. Of course, they eventually uh, went down uh, to the eventual champions. But it was incredible. I And I can't go past... 
uh, Thursday night, the first semi-final when Auckland Tuatara buried the Taranaki years in overtime and Rob Lowe sinking that step back three to even force it. It was just incredible. Like The atmosphere was insane, Smithy. That's year one of the Auckland Tuatara in the South NBL. I had a little chat with uh, Dale Budge, the uh, GM of uh, their communications there, and he says they're just getting started. Like They're just scratched, barely scratching the surface there. So I can't wait to see what happens with them come year two. And, I mean, I think we're really – we're really touching on something here in terms of basketball in this country from what we've seen in terms of quality. Uh, and I think it's only going to get better and better from here. Okay, can I ask you this question? Um, because a lot has been made, and even in our interview this morning, um, with uh, uh, Brent Matahari, of course, uh, the coach mm. of uh, the winning Otago Nuggets, there was a lot mentioned about uh, imported players and, and uh, how they've recruited, etc., from overseas. What do you honestly think it's done for local talent in that respect with uh, relying so heavily on those imports? Has it, has it really boosted uh, the local talent, you feel? Well, you hear, you hear uh, Brent Matahari mention Jack Andrew now going over to the Perth Wildcats. Uh, I mean, he didn't get a lot of game time with the Nuggets, but, you know, that's a great step for him. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys like that. Sam Timmons, the captain of the Nuggets, he's now going to move on to play with the Breakers in the AMBL. He's... Uh, after the game, he was talking to Andrew Dewhurst in the uh, like post-match ceremony and all the uh, celebration of it all, saying how great these three guys were. They came in. They're not just basketball players. They're brothers to them, and you know they're going to stay in contact. So, you know, there's always the argument that potentially imports coming in take you know can take a spot away from a Kiwi player. But I think in this regard, it's probably helped their development, not just as a player, but as a person. And they can kind of learn from these guys that come from, you know, the States and from the European leagues, what it means to be a professional player. And then they too can make those steps themselves. Okay, interesting thoughts there from uh, Logan Swinkles, who was uh, sidelined um, for the final series of four nights in a row. Absolutely the best seat in the house, without doubt. It is 11.31 here on SENZ. And uh, what we can say now is uh, 0800 150 811. And have we got a prize for you to win this morning? $200 TAB voucher up for grabs. 0800 150 811. Be quick with the fingers because you have got a chance for a bonanza. It is 11.32. And here is Araha with the news. Adam Smith really is top class at his job. All right, you heard Smithy before. $200 TAB bonus bet. That is what is on the line today with Stumped. Ian Smith, are you ready to go? Yeah, I am actually. I'm quite fired up about the whole deal. I have no idea what the categories are. Um, and who's, who's up first for us, uh, by the way? Logan, this morning, who have you decided on? First up, we're going to Cambridge. We're going to Seatown, home of the great one of the great squash players joel king kevin kevin from cambridge come in mate how you going boys Ooh, kevin 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 what uh what are the um what are you feeling you know, bucks? It's quite a, it's you know. decent price it is smitty your track record's not very good against me mate so just sort of stick that in there oh okay Ooh. well psychological uh, psychological warfare coming up here Okay, let's uh, let's just see then. Um, uh, what are the categories this morning, please, Logan? Yeah, let let's see. Eh? Let's, you're sounding pretty confident there, Kevin. Okay, the categories for you today are rugby, 
golf and the Premier League? Let's go golf. Oh, okay. You're confident and you're a brave man. Okay, here we go. Good luck to you, Kevin and Smithy. First question, Phil Mickelson headlines the 11 LIV golfers that have filed a lawsuit against the PGA Tour. Can you name one of the other 11? One of the other 11 to file the suit? Yes. Oh, it's not Cameron Smith yet, I know that. Let's go Brooks Kepka. And because we only have one uh, hockey at the moment, I'm just going to say it. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a cricket field. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Smithy, over you. I'm going to go Patrick Reid. Patrick Reid. There's a lot of names on here. No, Smithy. Patrick (laughs) Patrick Reid's not on my list. No. I'll read them out. Aside from from, uh, Phil Mickelson, you have Bryson DeChambeau, Ian Poulter, Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, Matt Jones, Abe Anser, Carlos Ortiz, Pat Perez, Jason Cockrack, and Peter Eulin. Oh, Peter Eulin. Okay, rightio. Well, okay, fair enough. So, question, yep, question number two to you, Kevin. Europe's former Ryder Cup captain Henrik Stenson made his LAV debut recently. Where did he finish at Trump's National Golf Club? Oh, God. Uh, let's go 11th. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a cricket field. Smithy. <laughs> I think I, I did, it went under the radar, but I, I reckon he won it. That's it. Right in the slots. And away it goes. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, Kevin. Yes. Smithy, you are right. First with 11 under. He won it, yeah. I I, I I remember reading about it and thinking that's a hell of a uh, hell of a performance actually with a all the media scrutiny that would have been on him for for defecting as such. So, mm, okay, so uh, we're down to a, what a one one question shootout and who we got on the line? One question shootout coming in from Palmerston North. We have Lammy. Come in, Lammy. Oh, oh. Good morning, Smitty. Good morning, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm good, Lammy. Uh, thanks very much for, for dialing in. Hey, Hawke's Bay Manawatu this weekend, just uh, by the way, too. Hawke's Bay Manawatu, I think, uh, on Sunday afternoon. So I hope it's warm at least anyway for the poor old sideline guy. Uh, what's the question, please? Are you the sideline guy there, Smithy? Uh, I am. I am yeah. <laughs> All right, last question for you guys. Lydia Ko competed at the Women's British Open recently. What is her career best result for that major? Oh, jeez. Um, I wouldn't have a clue, actually, but um, I'll try second. That is one of the worst things I've ever seen oh. on a cricket field. <laughs> Smithy, over to you. Potential stumping on the line. Oh, Can we get to 250? Yeah, potential stumping on the line here. Uh, I'm not sure she's ever won that, the British Open. Um, I'm going to say she has at one stage finished third. Smithy, yes, you're right. Right in the slot. Right in the slot, away it goes, buddy. We're up to 250. Oh, good on you, Smithy. Good oh, on you, buddy. Lemmy, Lemmy, absolute punt. <laughs> I know she's won a few. 
I know, mate. Yeah. I know. Honestly, I, it's an absolute punt for me. I had no idea. I, I had a no. sneaking suspicion she actually might have won one. Uh, she's won majors, no. but uh, that one. Uh, so that, I'm sorry, mate. No. You've been out fluked. No, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Well done, buddy. That's well done. You, get, Thank you. you get, on the lo- get, get on the line tomorrow, Lammy, and have another crack. And we're up for 250 bucks. That was an absolute fluke. I was pretty happy with the Henrik Stenson. Very disappointed with the Patrick Reed. But I felt for sure that he'd be right in the middle of a lawsuit. He's that kind of a guy, Patrick Reed. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, having defected, I would have thought he'd be right in amongst the Americans doing that. Uh, so that was um, a little bit, a little bit baffling. But anyway, we're happy. We got it through to two hundred and fifty bucks, and I'm not sure we've had it much higher than that, if at all. So, hmm. Really, mouth-watering prospect tomorrow around 11.29, 11.30. Get on the phone, Sierra, at 0800 150 In the meantime, we'll take a short break, come back with uh, two or three texts, I think. Uh, then we're going to hand over to the big show. The big show this afternoon, Stephen McIver here on SENZ. Okay, let's uh, look at some of the texts, and uh, it's been pretty hot, the old text line this morning, as you uh, would imagine. Smithy, we have to stick with the uh, coaching change. Look at the Aussies and what a difference a week can make. We have the opportunity to do it now. We get tipped up by a team at home now, and we haven't got rid of uh, Ian Foster. What an even bigger debacle this would be. That's from Nick. Uh, Marina Smithy, well, let's just celebrate our uh, All Blacks epic win and let better men than me shape the future of New Zealand's rugby going forward. Be patient, New Zealand. It will all come out in the wash. And that's from our good friend Hone from uh, Tokomaru Bay. Uh, well, 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 Smithy. Has Razor Robertson's Crusaders forwards coach who took over the All Blacks forwards coaching role saved Ian Foster's backside? Cheers, rah. Hey, Smithy, I forgot to add what uh, what a player the Box 13 is. It's arm, yes, it is arm. Uh, fantastic player. Also get rid of those uh, water breaks as this, as this penalises the fitter team, which was us. Totally agree, um, Mikey, with that. Uh, that is an interesting. Yes, I, I believe we are a fitter team, uh, even on the high felt uh, than um, South Africa. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, those big boys, they were breathing pretty damn hard, pretty damn hard uh, throughout most of the match, the South Africans, and they have become very adept, slowing things down. They take an eternity to get to the lineouts. Gosh, that's frustrating. Even more so, I think, than reset scrums. That's becoming part of the game. Uh, and uh, I've got to say it, um, New Zealand sides are cottoning onto it. Well, even in the NPC as well, taking forever to get to lineouts. Uh, Chris has come in. Smithy, imagine if South Africa could pick a team on merit. I know they used to have a quota of uh, two coloured players. Don't know how many there are these days. Would have to ask a South African if they're all there on merit. But well done, the All Blacks. Backs to the corner, fight your way out. Really well done, Chris. I understand there is a quota system. I might get uh, next time we have a South African correspondent on, we might ask about that uh, too, Chris, because it's certainly still in effect. I read an article, and I'm not quite sure where it was, but it said that uh, they have to pick their team early in the week uh, because it has to basically be run past certain people on the board to see if they approve of the starting 15 and the bench. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. And I think you can probably see a signal as to how happy he is with the starting squad uh, when he makes changes, particularly before half-time. That in itself is uh, quite interesting. Hi, Smithy. Sorry, but when, does, uh, when do the All Blacks accept average? I'm sure Foster is a nice guy, but one win doesn't make a winter. We only won one and six with the end-of-year tour. Foster, nice guy, but got to go. Sorry, that's from Anthony and Rotorua. Uh, also said, uh, sorry, two and six, still very average. Yes, uh, they won the second one as well. They, they beat, uh, of course, that's two wins this year because we won the first test against Ireland. 
Uh, KPIs are, are not set week to week. They are developed at the beginning of the season. I'm sure losing to Ireland would have been a fail. KPI not met. Does one game change everything? Do we forget that Foster has a poor winning record as an All Blacks coach? Is losing to Ireland at home acceptable? Is losing to Argentina acceptable? Is being demolished by Ireland and France last year acceptable? I think he's had the opportunity to show improvement this year and the record is now 2-6. and six, uh, 2 and 5 at home uh, actually and in, in this calendar year. 2-6 and six since the last one. Uh, that's from Squid. Uh, how do you really gauge your performance when South Africa makes all those changes clearly for quota and political reasons? Would we have won if they started the same team as they did last week? Don't know. Uh, we'll never know, Chris, but uh, I think it's a fair point. All Blacks were paying their highest ever head-to-head at the TAB. A lot of people got on it, nearly $3. I was not one of them. Lol. That's from Kyle. Uh, <laughs> me neither, i got to say. <coughs> Excuse me, TJ. Uh, hey, Smithy, uh, Masterclass is a PR disaster continuing from NZRU since the Irish series. There's a weird dissonance now between the All Blacks and the NZRU. The All Blacks seem to have gone full siege mentality, which they needed to, to survive. It's been odd to hear them talk about the doubters in the media. The team has been losing tests. That's the measure. It hasn't been an illusion. I think by doubters they are, they, they are talking directly about the NZRU. I think NZRU doesn't think we can win the Cup with the setup. I think the selection is off with Kane having to start, making the balance of the loose forwards impossible to get right. But NZRU made this by appointing Foster through the, through the cup. Back him or sack him is the refrain. They haven't done anything to back him. He's on a hiding to nothing. Mark Robinson, it's his appointment. It's a fail, a big fail, uh, at the coaching setup at the moment. That from TJ. We'll be back very shortly here on SENZ. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.